wonder if I could get some walking music if you could do that as I... I wonder if you've ever gotten a call like this or, or maybe a, a knock on the door and, and you open it and it starts like this. Don't worry, everything is okay. You ever gotten those? Does that help a lot? No. <laughs> Mom, there's been an accident, but everybody's okay. Yeah, that, that just totally takes away all the, the fear and worry. It's funny, Joshua uh, is, is leading the children of Israel now to take possession of the promised land. And, and it, it's been a fun, uh, a fun kind of journey along with Joshua. It, it helps me a lot knowing that he has to learn the same lesson more than once. Has anybody been there? Um, at, at three times, I, I think, so far he's had to learn the same lesson. And, and we talked about last time is... is he, he stepped out in faith, and, and they went after the five kings, remember that, of the Amorites? And so they, they, they went after them, and, and God did this amazing thing. I love the way that the Bible kind of describes it, because what it says is, is that God caused hailstones to fall, and more of them were killed by the hailstones than the swords of the sons of Israel. Isn't that cool? So, so God showed off in a great way. Now, now the, the Amorites, the, the armies of, of the, the five kings, they, they were getting away, and, and the, the sun was, was starting to set. It was getting long in the day. And so Joshua went to the Lord. I, I, I love that. That is encouraging to me. He's, he's gotten it finally. He went to the Lord, and, and it, it looks like he's commanding the sun. I really see this as a prayer when he says, Son, stand still and moon stand still that that gives you the idea that they're both up right now which we have happened here uh, sometimes one of the coolest if i had if panoramic cameras or panorama i can't even talk let's start over if uh 180 degree pictures were available on phones at the time i maybe could have gotten this we were down at the border checkpoint um not the checkpoint at the 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 station down there with some um I don't even know what they call it. I should just start over. So we were down there with some Boy Scouts, and it was evening. We were going through the whole thing, and the moon was coming up on these mountains, and the sun was setting on those mountains, and I've never seen it time more perfectly where the moon is touching the tops of those and the sun is touching the tops of those. And I took two pictures, but that doesn't do it any justice at all. I get the picture that this is what was happening with Joshua. The sun stood still to give them enough time to finish off the armies of the five kings. And that's where we left Joshua last time. So now Joshua picks up, if you, if you will, turn in your Bibles with me. That always sounds funny. One of these days we're going to see a little kid laying in his Bible turning. Uh, you can thumb there in your device or your phone, but turn to chapter 10, and, and we're going to read verses 16 through 28. I just want to read them for you. Follow along with me as, as we, we look at the end of this. And now, now mind you, um, this, is, this is maybe a, a PG. Um, the, the, the Old Testament, and the Bible's pretty much this way, just tells everything like it is. So, so it, it sounds a little gruesome as we go along in here. And if you're like me, I love to read and, and I think the pictures in my head are usually better than anything they can do in, on the big screen. This might be a little disturbing. Don't go there. Verse 16. These five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Makeda. 
and it was told to Joshua, the five kings have been found, oops, hidden in the cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies. Attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities. For Yahweh, your God, has given them into your hand. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were all wiped out, and when the remnant that remained to them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp at Makeda. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Remember, that's a reference back to they were wagging their tongues against Joshua and the leaders of Israel for um, unwittingly entering into the uh, covenant with the men from Gilgal. But not now. Verse 22, Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so, and they brought those five kings out to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with them, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Now, picture this. They, they had soundly, we should say the Lord, but using them, had soundly defeated the armies of these five kings who, by the way, had deserted their armies and were hiding in the cave. You caught that part, right? They sealed them up in the cave. They moved the stones. They brought them out. Joshua brought what I would imagine were his commanders of his armies. And he had the the kings put down on the ground. And he said, come here, come here, come here. Put your foot on his neck. Now, come over here. You come over here. You put your foot on his. They did that to the five kings in front of all of the army of Israel. A a very poignant time, a very visual demonstration that Israel had won. And these kings that they had feared were under their subjugation. They were under their foot, literally. And so the men came and they put their put their feet on their necks, and Joshua said to them, gosh, what a moment. (laughs) Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus will Yahweh do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees, and they hung on the trees until evening, But at the time of the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, and they threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves, and they set large stones against the mouth of the cave where they remain to this very day. As for Makeda, Joshua captured it on that day and struck it, and its king with the edge of the sword. He devoted to destruction every person in it. He left nothing remaining, and he did to the king of Makeda just as he had done to the king of Jericho." Wow. I can't imagine what that would have been like to be there with the five kings. Joshua had his commanders come and put their feet on the necks and said, guys, you need to know this. God will do that to everyone with whom you fight against. 
Now, the assumption is that they're listening to the Lord, that they're following his instructions all the way through. What, what a change. Do you remember it wasn't that long ago when they fought against Ai and they only took 3,000 men because, hey, they weren't that big. We don't need to worry about them. And, and just a few men were lost in the Israel army and they turned tail and ran and they were defeated. Do you remember that? That wasn't that long ago, and then here they are having defeated five armies. I'm not sure exactly how how the switch got flipped in Joshua, but it did. And, And he has now fully taken on the leadership that was passed on to him from Moses, and he's listening to the Lord just like Moses. You remember God said, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Joshua's taking that to heart. And it's, it's almost like in this, this what, what might mean, might, might look to be a kind of a surreal moment. It, I, I can see Joshua as he, as he brings them all around. Can you imagine? Word would have to spread. They had thousands and thousands of soldiers, and, and I would imagine that, that he had, had them gathered around. And when he had the five kings there and he told his commanders, put your feet on their necks, it's as if Joshua were saying this, guys, I want, by the way, that's a generic term. You know that, right? Ladies, gals, that doesn't sound right to me if I say gal. People, remember this moment. This, this time of victory where it was very decisive that they had won. In an amazing way, they had won. And, and I can imagine Joshua is saying, I want you to remember this moment. Here's the way it reads. When they had brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings, and, and I can imagine them, them doing this and, and how, how humiliating it must have been for those kings. But what a thrill of victory that they had won. They've got their feet on their necks. And, and it's almost as if Joshua was saying, right now, right now, you guys look around. I want you to remember this moment. The implication is because there are going to be days ahead. when it's going to be a big army, when the odds are going to be against us. I almost said not in our favor, but that will bring. The odds aren't in your favor. When you will think that there is absolutely no way for victory. Guys, when you are there, I want you to remember this moment because... Because Yahweh, your God, will do the same to them as he has done here today. I love that. We need that, don't we? We, we talked about the mission to Mexico offering and, and camps, and God, 
God has worked in my life in big ways. I was, was called to, to ministry at Falls Creek when I was 16 years old with lots of hair. Um, way more than I needed back then. That's probably what happened to me. But, but not only a call to ministry, I've seen God call kids to faith in Christ. I've seen God call them to step closer in their walk with him. And it seems almost without fail, the Monday after you get back from camp. You guys remember those? It's the week after camp. And your world comes crashing in. Joshua knew that there were some tough times ahead. And and he wanted to remind them. He said, look, do not be afraid or dismayed. You remember this moment and you be courageous. Be strong and courageous. I, I like the way he says that. Be strong and courageous for thus Yahweh will do to your enemies against whom you fight. So the first thing is remember this moment. Guys, here's, here's what we need to remember. We need to remember that God is the one who gives the victory. Not a single amen. (laughs) You can say amen in church. Did you know that? God is the one who gives the victory. Thank you. We forget that, don't we? Any of you try to fight your own battles? Any of you fail when you do that? I, I tell you what's worse than failing when you try to fight your own battles is when you think you want it. And it gives you the, the false hope, and, and you, you try, and you go before you realize that you are operating in your flesh. You know what the deeds, you know what the works of the flesh are? Immorality, selfishness, <laughs> corruption, greed, pride. I, I added those. When we start operating in the flesh, we start reaping what the flesh sows. We forget that God is the one who gives the victory. Look, this is... It's a little bit odd, but there are a lot of things that are odd in, in the Old Testament particularly. Verse 26 of chapter 10, afterwards, so he, he had his commanders, his chiefs, with their, their feet on the necks of the kings. And he charged them, you guys remember this. Do not fear, do not be dismayed, for Yahweh your God, you be strong and courageous, for Yahweh your God will... He will do this to everyone to whom you fight against. And, and then he must have had them step away. And then Joshua himself struck the five kings and killed them. And then hung them in the trees. He could have easily had those five commanders, the five chiefs, kill those kings. But I think God did this for a reason. Because God's the one who gives the victory. God's, he'll take care of it all the way through. And, and we tend to forget that. We, we, we think, you know, we, we've got our, our, our foot on the necks of the kings. And we're like, yeah, <clears throat> look what I did. I'm trying to buff out a little bit. It's not working. <laughs> look what I did. 
And particularly if they had been the ones who killed the kings, I think their tendency might have been to say, yep, don't mess with me. But that's not what happened. Joshua himself finished off the kings. There, there are a lot of times in the Old Testament as we, we, we read that and we're like, yeah, that's kind of weird and that's kind of gruesome. And he hung them until sunset and then took them down and threw them in a cave. Almost makes me want to go find that cave and see if they're still there. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. Just like Joshua brought all of the fighting men, had the kings down on front, their their feet on the necks. Just like Joshua said, remember this moment. Here's what I want you to know as believers. Remember the cross. Israel went on to fight other battles. Israel, when the time of the judges came, God blessed them and and everything was all great. They turned away from God. God disciplined them. Everything was horrible. They repented. They turned back to God and he blessed them and everything was great and they turned away from God. And all of those victories were just a foreshadowing of the victory. Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. If you haven't memorized this, I would encourage you to do that. Mark it in your Bible if you, if you do that. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Remember the cross. The victory for us was won on the cross. And he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hey, listen, you need to remember the cross because tomorrow you're going to go back out into the world. Some of us, um, we, we don't even get a grace period between when we leave here being encouraged by the word and spirit of God before life just hits us. Um, I, I know for many families, the drive to church is one of the toughest moments of the week, isn't it? Sometimes trying to get them ready. You got kids and you're trying to get them and they zone out. And in our house, I get here early. I cheat a little bit. Cynthia gets to deal with all the other stuff, even though it's not kids now. But sometimes even our animals would join in. I want to look at my dog and say, get thee behind me, Satan. What's wrong with you? But you need to remember the cross. You need to remember that Jesus won the victory for you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. If you haven't read Hebrews lately, you should. First of all, if you love coffee, that's just 
biblical Hebrews, the guy is supposed to make the coffee. Yeah, I know, they don't get any better. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, as we encounter these, these struggles in the world, you know we live in a fallen world, don't you? You know that that has affected all of creation, right? You understand that. Even your animals are affected by the fall. Our world is affected by the fall. Now, we need to take care of it, but listen, our world is not broken because of us. Our world is broken because of sin. Since then, we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens that is coming here, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. The other way to say that is, guys, stand firm in your faith. As you head out into the Lord, as you deal with the results of a broken world, it's broken because of sin. We don't have broadcast TV anymore, and I'm thankful it was a financial decision for us a while back, but it's turned out to be one of the best spiritual things we've done, I think. I don't get to see the news. So you guys let me know if California drops off into the ocean, all right? Because I won't know unless you put it on Facebook. Um, Slap face or insta-slap, whatever you want to call that. But we live in a world that that the little blurbs that I get, I, I think these people are just crazy. These people are just crazy. I won't tell you what it was about, but show, someone showed me a video of a lady at one of these political meetings. It wasn't a she wasn't an elected official; it was just some other lady that was that was saying stuff that that you would have thought would have gotten her carried out in a straitjacket and everybody there thought it was okay. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Here's, here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Listen. Jesus, the one who has won the victory for you, don't think that he doesn't know what you go through. Have you ever been betrayed? He knows what that's like. Have you ever, you ever found yourself standing in one of the darkest days of your life and there's nobody standing there with you? He knows what that is like. You ever had people that you, that you counted on? Close, close friends who walked away. He knows what that is like. And, and listen, we're tempted by sin, but we don't even know what that feels like because we give in. You don't know the full temptation of sin until you don't yield to it. Jesus was tempted in every single way, just as we, and yet without sin. He experienced the full effect of the temptation where we don't. And he's the one who says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Let us then, with confidence, that's boldness, not arrogance, but with confidence, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Listen. You see, our mediator is our Savior. 
we can we can come directly to him to the throne of grace upon which sits Jesus the king of kings and the lord of lords that we may receive not what we hear some guys say a lot we we approach the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, remember the cross. That's where our victory was purchased. That's where Jesus defeated sin and death. And and we, we say that, we hear that, but we don't really get a good concept of what that means. Jesus defeated sin and everything that goes along with it. We just think that, that that's our get-out-of-jail-free ticket when we read that Jesus defeated sin. No, no. No. You see, Jesus set you free from sin and its effects. And one of those is the wrath of God. Jesus took that for us. But he also set you free from the effects of sin in your life. Listen, when Adam and Eve sinned, you know the first thing that happened to them? The very first thing that we know. One of the weirdest, if you picture this scene in your mind, one of the weirdest scenes, I think, in Scripture, Adam and Eve are the only two people on earth. They're married. God did the wedding himself. And they find out that they're naked and they're ashamed. That just blows my mind. That's not the real effect of sin. The real effect of sin was it separated them from one another. Then they heard God coming in the cool of the day, which gives an amazing picture of what the fellowship was like before sin. They got to hang out with him. They got to go for a stroll in the most beautiful garden there ever was. They heard him coming and they hid themselves. They were separated from God. And then God calls out to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? Which, if it weren't for the seriousness of what had just taken place, would be funny. I'm hiding from God. Like you can do that. Adam said, we heard you coming, and we hid because we were ashamed. They even experienced a separation in themselves. They weren't even right with themselves after that. Jesus won the victory on the cross for us. Let me... You can jot these down in your notes, and I have a spot for you to add one if you if you want. He gave us victory over fear. I, I love it that that's how Joshua started. Do not be afraid. Don't fear or be dismayed by what lies ahead. Jesus gives us victory over fear. Why? Because he's the one that holds 
Here's the way it reads in Colossians. He is before all things. He is preeminent over everything. Jesus is above all things. And in fact, all things hold together in him. It is by the power of Jesus Christ that even the atoms keep from blowing apart. You don't have to be afraid. That's the one who said he would never leave us or forsake us. That's amazing. Gave us victory over depression. Depression is, is when, when we get to the place that we feel like there's just no way out. There's nothing we can do. But I just get this, this picture of this crushing. He gives us victory over depression. He gives us victory over habits. You ever you have something that you try and you try and you try and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop that or I'm going to start, and it just doesn't work. He gives you victory over that. Gives you victory over addiction. He gives you victory over loneliness. He gives you victory over sin. Do, do you know? I, I some of you have heard me say this before, but I, I don't think we hear it enough. Do you know that you are not a sinner saved by grace? After you come to faith in Christ. The Bible never calls you a sinner again. You are a saint. You are a holy one. You are a child of the creator of the universe. And in this amazing way that I never fully understand, when God looks at you who are in Christ, he sees the righteousness of God in you. You are perfectly pleasing to God those of you who are in Christ. Isn't that cool? He is pleased with you. Does that sound familiar? When Jesus was baptized, he came up. The heavens split. I know it's not like the picture. There wasn't a parting of clouds. It doesn't mention clouds in that verse. The heavens split. I don't know what that looks like. The Holy Spirit came down, not a bird, but a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came down and, and just kind of rested, I, I would imagine, almost encompassing Jesus. And the voice of the Father from heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know that for those of you who are in Christ, God says the exact same thing about you. This is my beloved Son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And you're saying, that can't be right because I know me. And I'm telling you that is right because I know Jesus. And you have the righteousness of God because of what Christ did on the cross. There's one more blank, and and it's blank on mine as well. Maybe there's something in your life that you say, you know what, God, I just can't seem to get past this. I can't seem to get over this, or I can't seem to get through this, or God, I've I've tried time and time again, and I, I, I hit that wall every single time. Do you know that because of the cross, Jesus has victory even over that, whatever that is? I wonder today if there's, if there's not somebody that just needs to take that and just lay it at the cross at the foot of Christ. Here's the, here's the, the picture that, that I get 
that, that if Jesus were here, he would say, hey, you come, come here, come here, you, you come up here. And whatever that thing is, is down. And he says, you know what? You take your foot and you put it on top of that. Because I want you to know that I have made the victory for you over that. And don't you ever forget it. I'm not a wealth and prosperity kind of guy. I'm not a hyper-spiritual, demon-under-every-rock kind of guy. Um, But I tell you what I am. I'm the kind of guy that believes this absolutely. And it says in here in Romans 8, chapter 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because Jesus took it. And we get the victory. He came to redeem you, not just from the penalty of your sin, but he came to redeem every single area of your life from sin. Came to redeem you. Let's pray. Father, I know me. And I know that what I deserve is your wrath. And so, Lord, I'm so thankful that rather than your wrath, what you've given me is your grace. That you offer to me life, not not just a life that will be an unending life forever, but an abundant life in you. And it doesn't consist of things. We know that things only tend to to bind us and to enslave us, but God, it consists of life with you. And Lord, I have no doubt that there are some that are here today that are struggling, either with an addiction or a a sin or depression or loneliness or got a multitude of things that that we, we inherit from this broken world. Holy Spirit, I pray that for them right now that you will turn their eyes to the cross where Jesus won the victory for us. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and he has won for us the victory. So, Father, if there's someone here that's struggling with something, maybe... Maybe it's struggling with coming to faith in Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just allow them to just lay that struggle at the foot of the cross. Lord, there may be some here who are believers and and yet there's still a sin that they struggle against. There's still uh, resentment or broken relationships. God, whatever it may be, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in their hearts, that you would allow them to lay that at the foot of the cross. And God, I pray that you would just give us the, the, the visual picture of Jesus with his foot on that thing that we struggle with because he has defeated it. God, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to walk in the freedom that you give. that we can can draw near to you and find mercy 
and grace to help in time of need. God, work in our hearts, draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.